0: it doesn't matter what your neighbors think Jesus is. It doesn't matter what foreign countries say Jesus is. What matters is who you say Jesus is. And the correct answer is what Peter said, thou art Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, that's exactly right, and upon this truth, Peter, that I am the Christ. Isaiah chapter 14, we're reading verses 12 through 17 together. If you'll stand with me, please. So we honor God's word, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. The Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? Our heavenly Father, our intention is not to bring attention to Satan, Lucifer, that fallen angel that is the dearth of this world and all things horrendous. Our intention is to bring honor and glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ, the great difference maker that no matter what the enemy tries, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So while we will point out the battle that we fight and the trouble that surrounds us, We also try to highlight the victorious person that lives within us, our Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our God. Thank you for your presence and ever help in time of need. I pray this morning as we wind up our study that we have been doing on this particular passage, I hope that we have driven home the fact that we need to be vigilant that the first thing Satan wants is for us to think that there is no danger, there's no big deal. He wants us to lull us to sleep. And I pray that we would stay active in the service of the army of our Lord. They would be constantly engaged in the battle, living a victorious Christian life, knowing that we will win in the end. Bless this time in your word, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We've talked about the stealing. We've talked about the killing. Today we're going to talk about the destroying. By way of review, Jesus told us, and we've, this is another verse that we've gone over and over on is John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. If you want another passage, if you take notes, you put notes in the margins of your Bible, you could also write down Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19 as another great portion of God's word that points out the nature of Satan. Satan wants to steal from you, as Jesus said in John 10.10, and he wants to take the things of value to you. Now, it's not necessarily your stuff, although we all have stuff, and some of our stuff means a lot to us. But the things that we accumulate, I don't think he minds too much if we have a lot of things. Matter of fact, he'd love you to have so many things you don't have time for the Lord. But the things that he really wants to take from you relate to your body, soul, and spirit. That trichotomy that God made us, that he wants to take your health, he wants to take your strength, he wants to take your faith, he wants to get in under your skin and make you question everything about life to a point that you think it is no longer worth living and you just want to throw in the towel. He's a thief. He's a robber. He wants to steal your faith and trust. He wants to steal your peace and joy. He wants to steal your future and hope. We've talked about those things. Not only does he want to steal things from you, He wants to kill you. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning, and we looked at murder as a whole. We looked at the first murder recorded where Cain killed Abel, his brother. He did it out of anger, spite, mad that God did not accept his offering, and he accepted Abel's. You know, there will always be people that are liked better than you are. You'll never be the most popular. When you're young, you want so much to be popular. When you get older, for me, I was just so full of myself. I am so embarrassed to look back at who I was when I was young. I, if you could re- erase memories or erase things that you did, I just I can't believe that's who I was. I have found the closer I get to the Lord, the lower I feel about myself. And uh, that's not a bad thing. But I, Cain was upset that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his was not. But Cain didn't want to play by the rules. He didn't want to do what God said. He wanted to set up his own terms. When it came time for a sacrifice to bring something to the altar, he knew what he was supposed to bring, but he did what he wanted to do anyway. You know, I've met people like that. I've met me like that. Look in the mirror sometimes, and you know, you know. And then when it doesn't go well, you want to blame somebody else. Aren't we good at the blame game? You notice in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, first thing Adam did, he learned quick. Sin hadn't been in the world very long at all, just seconds. But already he knew to blame his wife, you know? All men know to do that. It's first reasonable thing you think of. It's that woman you gave me, Lord, never would have been in this mess. <clears throat> I, my wife and I have had these conversations. Just so you know, I usually... They don't work out too well for me, but uh, we have had those conversations. Cain was not happy, killed his brother. That was the first murder. But we also said that Satan himself is a mass murderer. He knew when he convinced Adam and Eve to sit in the garden that death was going to visit. Every death that has ever taken place from the Garden of Eden to 2024 can all be put right at the feet of Satan himself. He brought mass murder. Every shooting that has ever taken place, anything they want to blame, it's not the gun manufacturer, it's the guy pulling the trigger. And it's also the guy pulling the trigger has been instigated by the adversary, by Satan, who for whatever reason decided this was a good idea. Murder is never a good idea, and the Bible clearly teaches capital punishment. If you take someone's life, your life needs to be taken, and I'm not talking 30 years from now. I'm talking in a couple of weeks. Let's have a trial. Let's make sure it's correct, if it is. And I don't really care if you suffer when you die, when you're put to death. And I know we want to make sure, is there pain and suffering? I notice the criminal isn't too concerned about how bad you hurt when you are dying. For all these, these animals that go out and do something to some defenseless female or someone. It happens every week where you find out somebody. This past week, an illegal alien from Venezuela captured a college girl, killed her. If he's the one... Now, obviously, you're innocent until proven guilty in the United States, but he, if he's the one, if he did that sort of thing, and he's absolutely the guilty person the bible teaches he should be put to death and I, I firmly believe that I know that's not popular but it used to be we stood on principles we stood on right and wrong And satan is the one that wants to downplay the consequences of our sin and we're doing that with our every area of society he's a mass murderer he's a motivator of murderer satan is real say that with me Satan is real. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, if he wasn't real, that verse wouldn't be there. There'd be no point in that. There's nothing to destroy if he's not there. Modernists, liberal Christians, folks that have the title Christian on them, you know, there are, there are churches meeting this morning, not very large crowds, but they're meeting this morning, and they will tell you that Satan's not real. that he doesn't exist. Well, he does. A group with, uh, I could give you a quote that said, there is no devil. And I'll go on to read the quote. This gentleman regards Satan as he regards Adam and Eve, a mythological part of man growing up. Well, Adam and Eve were real as well. I want to mention that. It's not some mythological creature with some red costume with a pitchfork and all of the funny things that we put in the comics about Satan, and I'm not against those things, that's fine. But let me tell you something. He is dangerous, he's real, and he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And we are called as Christians to resist steadfast in the faith last thing that Satan said steal kill and destroy destroy is if you will the the whole gamut put together killing stealing destroying its warfare on steroids he wants to blow up the whole mass destruction is what he does He destroys homes, he destroys families, he destroys businesses, he destroys countries, anything. He wants to destroy it, and he's in the business of doing that. And we've seen it right now in 2024, our cities are falling apart, our government is falling apart. So many things, the more godless we become, Satan is just having a heyday, and we see the results of it. What America needs is not another great president, which I'm certainly for. America doesn't need a new set of legislators, which I'm certainly for. What America needs is revival. It needs to fall on its face and beg God for forgiveness and ask him to please intercede on our behalf. That's the real cure. But Satan, obviously... (laughs) Thank you. One of the messages that we talked about in this series was called Triggered, and we named it that because of a great preacher, Jack Kibbs, out on the West Coast that got up and prayed in Congress, and uh, he just nailed it. And the atheists and the unbelievers and the modernist Christians are just so upset I can remember when I was younger I was talking to one of my customers when I was in the service station business, a wealthy individual, a senior citizen at the time, who uh, uh, attended one of the modernist churches in Bangor, and I could name it. It's the church where if you're a senator, you go to that church. If you're somebody, you're plugged into that church. That's the church where all the influential people go. They had a guest speaker, and he came and he talked, and he said a few things, and he left, and... And so he was telling me about it. And he says, you know, he says, I don't mind them talking about God and things, but for they really, I get very uncomfortable when they mention the name of Jesus Christ in church. Can you imagine? Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if we don't talk about Jesus, I like that. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings is He, the Lord of Lords, Supreme through all eternity, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. If we can't talk about Jesus in church, oh my word, what's the point here, folks? Satan's real. And obviously, Jesus came to conquer him. And, and we need to make sure we understand that he is here to steal and to kill and destroy. Many years ago, if you're old enough, I just turned 62 this week. And I want you to know that as a 62-year-old, I'm in the finest shape of my life. And I, <laughs> and I just looked at you all and lied. You know? <laughs> but... If you're old enough to remember, you can remember the TV shows coming on when you turned on your TV. This program is brought to you by the good friends of General Mills, without commercial interruption. Maybe when the program is over, you could enjoy a nice box of Kellogg's cornflakes or something like that. They'd say something to that effect. You have never heard this war was brought to you by Adolf Hitler. Or these gas ovens in Zyklon B were provided by the good folks at Munich Gas Works. You one-stop shop for mayhem and desolation. You generally don't, you don't get the connection to the disaster that it starts. But I can remember when I was young, used to be in school, boys would get in scraps. Now, Mike has got a men's class going on in Sunday school, which is I think is a wonderful idea. We've lost the concept of manhood in America. We have chickified men to a point that is just absolutely disgusting. So, for some reason, it seems like that's a, a topic that ought to be talked about. But it used to be, in the playgrounds of school, every now and then, boys would just go at it. Now, I don't know if they allow that anymore, but we did. And my father told us from day one, if they start it, you finish it. I still believe in that. So what's going on over in the Middle East right now? Hamas started something with Israel, and Israel's going to finish it. And shame on anyone that's trying to get in between that mess and try to stop it. Israel needs to annihilate those guys so they never come back. The only way to beat a bully is to beat the tire out of the bully so he recognizes it's too painful to try that again. So here we are, and whenever the scraps get started at school, Generally, back in my day, the teachers would just let us go at it, you know, and then finally we'd think, well, somebody please stop this. We don't want to keep doing this, okay? So, but the question was always asked when we got in trouble, who started it? Who started it? Well, I want you to know, Satan started it, but Jesus is going to finish it, okay? I like that a lot, okay? So... He destroyed the Garden of Eden by temptation to sin. He destroyed the first family by Cain killing Abel. He destroyed the first society in Genesis chapter 6. God had to start over again with Noah, worldwide flood. He destroyed the unity of mankind by making it necessary to divide society through the breakup of languages at the Tower of Babel. And over and over we see this. And Satan is the instigator of these things. Through it all, we see three things very quickly. Number one, we see God's people in all the battles going on. One thing that you and I need to do when trouble strikes Christian is time for Christians to shine, to do right, to pay our bills, to show up for work, to stand up when something isn't right. One of the things that just breaks my heart is when I see someone being picked on and all they want to do is record it with their cell phone, Nobody wants to step in and fight. I would rather die helping than live with myself taking pictures and watching some disaster happen and a man not intervene. God's people in times of trial need to be involved and take a stand. I know the church, Matthew 16:18, Jesus is talking and Peter is talking and Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And you remember the, the occurrence, and, and she said, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus looked at him and said, who do you say I am? See, it doesn't matter what your neighbors think Jesus is. It doesn't matter what foreign countries say Jesus is. What matters is who you say Jesus is. And the correct answer is what Peter said, thou art Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, that's exactly right. And upon this truth, Peter... That I am the Christ, that I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan can't stop God's church. I know that God's church was built on Jesus Christ because it's still here 2,000 years later. And I've watched God's church operate, and it's run by men, men like Mark, myself, other of you in this church, and we know who we are. And we're pathetic. We are. And every day I hear some disaster, some local church going on. And I think, really? But you know what? God's church just keeps moving on. Why? Because it's founded on Jesus Christ, and you're not going to kill it. It can't be stopped. Man, people like myself, have tried to mess up a wonderful plan started in the book of Acts to reach the world for Christ and over and over and over it's been horribly run and yet we're still here isn't that amazing you see God's people God's church still engaged when really there's no excuse no corporation has ever existed as poorly run as a local New Testament church but here we are. And I'm, not, I'm just saying, you've got you to gotta notice that, folks. And it's obviously because of Jesus Christ. Through it all, we see God's people, God's church. Not only do we see God's people, we saw, see God's plan. You know, God's plan is redemption. That illegal alien that I said deserves the death sentence, and he does, also deserves forgiveness through Jesus Christ, if he'd give his heart and life to Christ. I'm told, and I don't know if it's true, James Dobson swears by it, that Ted Bundy gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He believes he was a changed man. Now, I I don't know. When we get to heaven, we'll find out. I don't care who you are. Adolf Hitler could have sought redemption and gotten it had he asked. Now, we know that did not happen, but he could have. Redemption applies to everyone All you have to do is confess your sins and ask Jesus to save you, and he will. He will. Through it all, to steal, kill, and destroy, we see God's people, we see God's plan, and lastly, we see God's power. And we're going to close this morning in Acts chapter 5, so you can uh, turn with me, if you will, in, in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Acts chapter 5. is Some great things are going on. Acts chapter 5, we start out in Acts chapter 5. We'll just do a quick overview, and I'll make a point here. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira thought they were going to get some attention by selling some land. It said they donated it all to the church. I just like to say this morning, I feel led by the Spirit, that if you have a lot of money and you'd like to donate to the church, we will take it all. There's no problem. I just feel I felt like I should share that, okay? Now Ananias and Sapphira, they saw Barnabas earlier in chapter four donate some money, and he got a certain amount of attention for that. They wanted a piece of the action. So they sell some property they have and they say they given it all, but they keep some of it. It was their right to do, it was their property. If they wanted to keep some of it, go ahead, but they lied. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the church. And Peter looked at Ananias, and he says, why has Satan tempted you to do that? See, there's the source. Who started that? Ananias? No, 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 no. It's Satan that started him, got him to lie. We've all lied. Not my fault, Satan. No, it's not true. Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Now, he can inspire you to do certain things, but he can't make you do anything. He's got no power over you. He inspired Ananias to lie to the Holy Spirit. Ananias said, Oh, yeah, that's all we got for that land. We sold it. And Peter says, Why are you lying? Basically, dropped dead. Bang, he went down. A bunch of boys grabbed him, carried him out, and buried him. Interesting. We talked about this in men's Bible study. Generally, if I dropped dead, I would want someone before you buried me to tell my wife. You know, hey, you know, Stan died. You might want to come to the funeral. Okay? They didn't do that. They grabbed that boy, they took him out, and they buried him. He's gone. His wife wanders in about three hours later, the Bible says. And Peter says, hey, I got a question for you. Didn't say, I'm sorry for your loss. No, no. I got a question for you. What's that? Did you, get, did you get that amount of money for that land that you sold? Oh, yeah, we did. Huh. Those boys that just took your husband out and buried you, buried him, are going to bury you. Bang, she's dead. Now, I shouldn't have said, bang, she's dead, because he didn't shoot her. She dropped dead. Sounds like Peter executed her right there. That wouldn't have been good. But anyway, gone. She's gone. They carry her on, bury her. The Bible says, great fear fell on the whole church. You think? <laughs> huh? It goes on in, in, in Acts chapter 5. And believers, verse number 14, and believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. There's a revival going on. How great is that? Man, love seeing people get saved. Love seeing people get baptized. We're baptizing after the service. Love that stuff. We should celebrate those things way more than we do. So they're adding to the church, and the thing is growing. Who's mad? The religious crowd of the day. Oh, they can't do that. And so they drag Peter, and they holler and scream at him, how can you do this, and They talk about all these things and then they say, don't you do that anymore. You stop that. You stop that. You stop that. They're hollering at him. They don't know what to do because they can see something special is going on here. This is an incredible work of God and they know it. They don't care. Convinced against their own will. Unconvinced still. And so here they are. Finally. There's a lot more going on here for the sake of time. We can't cover it all. But if you go to the last part of Acts chapter 5, there's a guy named Gamaliel that stands up. He's a teacher of the law, very influential. Um, If you will, in our group, the Wendell Calder steps up. The Harold Duff steps up. up. Whoever your hero might be steps up. And he says, listen, fellas, hey, you remember Thudius? Verse 36, boasting himself to be somebody, he took a bunch of people out, 400, joined themselves to him, and they were slain, and he was killed, and the group scattered. Remember that guy? And then he said, remember Judas of Galilee? He had a big following. He got a bunch of guys together, and he got killed, and the group scattered. He said, let me tell you something. If this thing is of man, it's not going to last but if it's of God. See, Gamaliel was a Pharisee. The Bible does not record whether he was a follower of Jesus Christ or not. You wish, but you don't know. But he knew something Satan didn't know. He knew you can't fight God. He says, don't go there. If this thing is of God, you better leave it alone or you're going to find that you're fighting God himself. We see God's people. We saw God's plan. But man, we see God's power. Satan is incredibly gifted, talented, powerful. You and I have no ability apart from Christ to stand against him. But with Christ, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love knowing I can tell that guy off. I love knowing he can't touch me because Jesus Christ is my Savior. The Holy Spirit lives within me. And that old bully's got nothing on me. And Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 says, you know, remember that saying, I read the last chapter of the book and we win? Well, that's where we're going. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Can you imagine the roar that's going to take place in heaven when we see Satan himself thrown into the lake of fire? Hallelujah. That's going to be awesome. Knowing that that guy finally got What was coming to him? A place especially prepared for him. The lake of fire. It's going to be great. Jesus said that I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want you to know we're in a battle, Christian. Satan is real. He has his forces. We see them active. But he's got nothing on us. When we follow Jesus Christ, He will get, He will find out that He is fighting God and you cannot win. Now a question as we close, it's possible you are making that mistake yourself. You're fighting God, and you're not winning. That's what happens many times when someone knows they need to accept Christ as their personal savior. say, so "Don't tell me I'm a bad person. Don't tell me I need to get saved. Who do, you, who do you think you are? I know a lot of Christians, and they're no better than I am. In fact, I'm better than they are. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. We're not even close to perfect. You follow me around, you're going to be really disappointed. I've noticed that... that uh, now, it's just, it's just a shame when people think that they don't need the Lord. You know why they think that? because they've believed Satan's lie. You are being duped. You are being used. You are being lied to. You are fighting God himself when you refuse his free gift, that invitation to accept him as your savior. It's called surrender. Now, we were taught, oh, we never surrender. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Never, never never. Now, to God, surrender is a wonderful choice. And when you do that, that's when you really start living. I've talked to people before that said, you know, once I trusted Christ, I was just, <gasps> oh, it was so freeing, so wonderful. And that's so true. Heavenly fun. Line
1: number one. You're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing You smile and tell, never better Lie number two Everybody's life is perfect except yours So keep your messes and your wounds And your secrets safe with you behind closed doors Truth be told, the truth is rarely
2: told. I say, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine.
1: There's a sign on the door Says come as you are But I doubt it Cause if we lived like that were true Every Sunday morning pew would be crowded but Didn't you say church You'd look more like a hospital A safe place for the sick A sinner in the scar And the prodigals like me Truth be told, the truth is real.
0: It's hard hard to believe that so many comedians could be assembled all in one place. So I noticed the balcony did not stand. That's what Jeff and Lori did.